Welcome back to another episode of the Crispy Cast, episode four. Tony Stark, RD, uh, Iron Man, as we all know and love. I'm just here to talk about it. This is Chris Bernard, co-host with my friend here. Jody Cameron, and it seems like only yesterday we threw one down, but here it comes again. I hope you're picking up what we're dropping on the floor. Iron Man, hero or villain? In a movie's perspective, I would actually say he's the biggest villain. The whole idea of Iron Man as a hero, at the time he was created in the early 60s, goes completely against what youth culture and popular culture wanted in a hero. If you think about the Cold War and uh, the kind of like anti-establishment movement, uh, the idea of the counterculture, the hippie movement, Tony Stark is none of those things. He's an industrialist, he's a capitalist, he's basically a rich, suave bastard. He is not the hero that the people wanted at that time. And I think Stan Lee said as much. He said, I wanted a kind of a Howard Hughes, Errol Flynn type character who was basically everything your dad stood for. And I wanted to shove it right down their throat and see what happened. And it turned out he was definitely one of the most popular heroes because he was sexy, he was capable, he was rich, and he had all the cool gadgets. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, an arrogant Batman. <laughs> Basically arrogant Batman. <laughs> Although I am on uh, a lot of people... Uh, I don't think this counts as off topic. But uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of people say that uh, Iron Man versus Batman, they would side with Iron Man. I think technologically Iron Man has the advantage. I think tactically he's screwed. <laughs> a Batman definitely has this, the strategy, the brain. Like he would play... I, I think he'd play Stark's uh, attitudes... Like how he's like, oh, well, I'm the best. I, I'm obviously going to outsmart you. I think he'd let his arrogance and ego be his downfall and just ultimately defeat him. He would definitely exploit those. It would be it would be fantastic. And then he'd be like, I'm Iron Bat. <laughs> Ooh, Iron Bat. There's a crossover. Mm. Uh, but to defend my argument of how Iron Man is the evilest of evils, I don't know if you know this, but he is the cause of pretty much like all his... Every movie he's in, it's his fault. Like in the first movie... He literally creates his Iron Man suit, gets the arc reactor, lets a guy who's clearly against him, uh, who's like a fake father figure, which I guess is not so bad, but I feel like he should have seen it coming. After this movie, the se- it's all it's either by the way it's either him or his father that causes the instance. But like the uh, Avengers two, Ultron, obviously that's his bad. Even at the at the end of Avengers one. And Iron Man blows up the fleet in space. Like when he goes through the wormhole, he just sent his giant signal, giant like frigu to Thanos. And Thanos is like, oh, no bueno. <laughs> uh, I'm coming for you, baby. He tries every time he tries to prepare, he overthinks, screws up because he doesn't think it through. He falls to fear. So I think it's his humanity that ultimately leads to his evil uh, tendencies. He's without question one of the most selfish arrogant and human of any of the superheroes in the Marvel Universe, he is not afraid to be unscrupulous or to manipulate or to make decisions based on bad data or execute decisions that are really a negative path simply to get to the ends. The ends always justify the means for Tony Stark. 
It does not matter what he has to do to achieve so long as he achieves. Case in point, he's a human experiment and he, he continually is working to create himself into a more and more powerful arsenal at the expense of uh, sometimes everyone around him. His humanity is the one thing that he's willing to sacrifice. And that's a scary thing. You know, starting with his, his, his condition, his injury, he's kind of like the Tin Woodsman. You think about it, he's, <laughs> he's like, uh, if only I had a heart. Well, he, he gets his heart and then uh, the whole mechanism uh, grows out from there. He just becomes more and more weaponized, more and more exploitable. His technology gets stolen. It gets turned on him. He's kind of like this whirling, chaotic epicenter arms race that is really as bad for everyone around him as he is good. Now to flip the coin, as much as I blame him for all these things and ultimately he's like his own worst enemy, I also believe that because of his intelligence, he's also the most adaptable to any scenario. Uh, he's always got, like, he's tormented by his mistakes coming back to haunt him, which leads him to make better technology that does help even though he's only human and he was going against the threat that defeated the Hulk, no problem. First thing he does, hops on a plane, goes to space. We're going to take him. We're going to take him hard, we're going to take him fast. So he does, he has moments of selflessness, but I think that's what keeps him interesting. He's, one of the most human things he does is Captain America's best friend, Bucky Barnes. Killed Tony Stark's mother. Didn't matter that the guy was mind controlled. What did he do? I'm going to have to kill you now. <laughs> and they're like, but it wasn't him. He was under control. He goes, I don't care. You killed my mom. To learn the truth while also learning more about his father's love for him, knowing that a man right in front of him, the man that he's been trying, the mysterious man he's been blaming his whole life is right there. And he chooses to act. And ultimately flips to the better side of things when he sacrifices himself, saving the universe. On the topic of the good of Iron Man, I mean, the benefit of him as a leader, as the the originator of the Avengers, he unites that team. He does act as a, a recruiter. As a recruiter and leader of the Avengers, his benefit is undeniable. The technology that he brings about is certainly, when it's not specifically weaponized, very high. You, you think about, like, the Iron Spider, like, the improvements to that hero. He has to be one of the, the greatest heroes as far as versatility and flexibility and strength, because he, he's not tied to one, like, goofy gimmick. He's not like Mr. Fantastic. He can't just morph his body or, or stretch. He's got hand plasma cannons. He's got jetpacks. He's got uh, heat-seeking missiles. He's got GPS. You know, you name it, he's got it. And if he doesn't have it, he'll have it next week. So he's definitely, like, top-tier hero for strength and his positive effect on other heroes to unite them for a common goal or cause. But he's also a bit backward. I mean, like, he's a product of another time. Tony Stark has always been a little bit of a ladies' man. I feel like his character was built as, like, a suave, romantic womanizer, and that that was kind of part of how to, how to legitimize him as a masculine and forceful kind of, like... You, know, you think about the old novels, like... Uh, you know, the cop detective novels and the, you know, he, he definitely has a little bit of that feel to him where he's like, hey, lady, just shut up and let me grab you by the waist. You know, <laughs> let me kiss you hard on the mouth. Quit talking nonsense, you overly emotional dame. You know, he's, he's you know, his little pencil thin mustache and his like uh, his, his chauvinism. 
Oh, you just gotta love Tony. He's bad. We let <laughs> it, we let him get away with so much. I've heard that in the era of Iron Man, from like say, let's say mid '60s to mid '70s, he was definitely the one who was getting fan mail from the ladies. I would have to say that uh, on a, on another note, Iron Man definitely did something that no other hero has really done in their origin, which is immediately take credit for being the hero. Other heroes, if they did that, their whole families just get gunned down or they get thrown in jail. Well, Iron Man, Tony Stark is untouchable. In fact, Invincible, which is the original name plate, yeah. right? The Invincible, Invincible Iron Man. It makes sense that he's so popular and that he's uh, so, so well-loved. There was a time in American history with the Thomas Edisons and the the Teslas. For Tony Stark to come ahead as like a singular inventor, like an entrepreneur, uh, a, a sole industrialist, like that was a big deal. It was, it was a time, I think, in the 60s where that type of individual had been gone for a time and was missed. Like, if there's one thing I associate with America, it's that that American dream. And Tony Stark is like the American dream personified. I mean, he comes from money. He won the lotto. He was born instantly wealthy and influential. I have to reiterate on his, on what I thought about him being evil at James Mighty Good Guy. Because I just, I just recalled, um, he's also the only hero that has a foundation to pay for the city's damages. The city gets destroyed. Superhero cleanup. Superhero cleanup, which is paid for by Tony Stark. Uh, so he does pay all the damages. Uh, he's also probably the only one, since everyone knows who he is, that gets all the hate mail. Anything that happens to anybody. Well, I'm going to say it then. Strong disagree. He's a complete and utter morally bankrupt failure of a, of a hero. He's a villain who just he writes a blank check. I'm going to destroy your city. And it don't matter. I'll just make a new one. So he doesn't care about loss of life and limb. I'll buy you a new baby. I'll buy you a new wife. I think that's an, an utterly despicable thing to do. Well, I would have to disagree furthermore because in the comic books, he has strong alcoholism, which could be a factor of all the guilt he feels from all his failures because he's such a genius yet people still die uh he's got more problems than he knows what to do with he's got more money than those dudes knows what to do with but still can't fix anything but an immediate threat that's in front of him i'm glad you brought up the alcoholism i think they did use tony stark as an opportunity to address real human problems and one of them was the substance abuse that ultimately would uh, would make him, I, I believe, a, a more easily exploitable character, but truly a more human character. He was an alcoholic. He fought it and won, right? His personal battles became as important in the comic as the battles he was fighting against uh, lunatics and tights. I feel like the character of Tony Stark is, is really one that, that holds a mirror up to uh, modern humanity. The whole concept of him weaponizing himself as a human and it feels like that's analogous to what was happening in the real world with the Cold War and with the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. Are the wars that we are fighting and the way that we are fighting them making us less human? Uh, do you have any predictions on the way the MCU is going to go? So yeah, I feel like with the movement of, of the Captain America 
shield and, and hero mantle from Cap to Falcon and the movement of the kind of the, the Iron Man tech and leadership to the Iron Spider that maybe Cap, yeah, maybe Cap will become more of a leader. We can take the experience and the knowledge and, and the tempered approach that Falcon would bring and put it with the enthusiasm and the energy and the idealism of uh, Spider-Man and they could lead together in a, in a really balanced and, and effective way. So who knows what'll happen? What do you think? I, for one, don't think Tom Holland's going to be even in it. You think he's going to be gone? You think... Well, they opened up the movie... That, well, Tom Holland had said that he loves playing Spider-Man, but he'd like to explore other things. Sure, so... Not he... that he's necessarily going to stop playing him, just like he doesn't want to play him forever. And now with the Spider-Verse, uh, where we got to see Tobey Maguire come back as Spider-Man, and also um, Andrew Garfield. My favorite Peter Parker. Yeah, me too. I think now, actually, let me change my mind. Tony McGuire is my favorite Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield is my favorite Spider-Man. Interesting. I just find Tony McGuire's look fits like classic uh, Spider-Man. But anyway, with the Loki show, which brought in Kang the Conqueror, uh, Kang now is, you know, the multiverse of madness going on. So there's different variants of everybody, which now opens up to them being able, oh, we want to switch the actor of Thor, no problem. Variant steps in. Okay. We want to switch the actor of Spider-Man. Variant steps in. I think there's going to be something that's going to happen with Kang and the multiverse. So I think Andrew Garfield's gearing up to switch places with Tom Holland if Tom Holland chooses not to proceed as Spider-Man. I think that's why they're setting up the multiverse. Because in theory, then it doesn't matter who plays the role. This might be the most relevant and interesting side that's come up during our chats. And I feel like the whole idea of the multiverse and the what if comics and those type of plot devices they arose from the fact that oh well, you know what our writers changed oh you know what our artists have changed uh, and, and and it happens in film you know our director our writer our actor is changed how do we approach that from a writing perspective how do we build that into our universe and and you're right the solution is to offer a flexibility, multiple dimensions, multiple timelines. It, it offers them the greatest freedom for casting and writing, right? I think it's genius. I also think it's lazy and I disagree. I really don't like it. Ultimately, do you think that maybe it's a necessary and inevitable evil for long story, serialized fantasy fiction to have to rely on these kind of writing crutches in order to preserve uh, like an ongoing character arc well every good story has an actual ending they better hit a factory reset and then dump the old heroes you said exactly what i was thinking because these heroes span time generations of fans generations of readers generations of writers and artists sometimes you just have to hit the great reset do you have anything else any parting words any final thoughts on iron man uh i'll rate them Oh, out of 10. Are you going to do that? I'm going to rate him. I'm going to give him a solid 7.5 hero over villain. Just because even though he creates most of his problems, he's also uh, works, he works as hard as he possibly can to fix them and correct them. And then he still pays for them. It doesn't matter if he's cutting a blank check. He doesn't have to. He's the invincible Iron Man. Well, here's the great upset and surprise of the podcast. I think... 
he deserves a nine and three quarters on the hero scale for one reason. What? Like many villains believe that they are the hero, as villainous or as treacherous as, or even as dangerous as Iron Man might be, I think in his heart and in his mind, he is a 10 out of 10. So I'm going to subtract points on the fact that he is absolutely not, and the mustache. I don't know what's up with that pencil-thin mustache. It's, it, it adds, like, plus one evil <laughs> to every look you have. <laughs> it works for him. It does work for him. But anyway, you can find me at Chris B Comics on Instagram, and it's also my Facebook page. It's K-R-I-S dot B Comics. Wonderful. And you can find me here, talking the talk and walking the walk with Chris B every week on the Chris B Podcast.